0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Once again to what's out there, the paranormal podcast from the out there paranormal group, and talking to you on this episode, we have myself, Nigel, and
0: and myself, Juliette.
1: We've got a guest. We have. We have got a guest. A
0: very important guest.
1: Uh, uh, you know, oh, honestly, I'm in such a tears. I'm honestly all oh, flapping, panicking, oh, pressing buttons, making things not work.
0: You'll be fine, it's all good. Anyway. Are you going to tell everybody who it is? It might be
1: a good idea, mightn't it? Okay, God. so we're dipping our toes into mm. the world of the hardcore sceptic in this podcast. Yeah. Um, our I'm guest, in trouble. You could well be. Mm. Our guest is a leading parapsychologist uh, with a sceptical viewpoint on all things paranormal Um, His areas of research include uh, testing mediums and psychics, uh, field work um, examining haunted experiences, UFOs, alien abductions, religious, parapsychology, all sorts of things. Mm. Okay, you may well know him from TV's Most Haunted and recently from the excellent Battersea Poltergeist podcast and the Uncanny series.
0: He is, of course, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe
1: hello thank Uh, you
0: so much thank you for
2: volunteering to come onto our podcast god help you karen (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me but i don't know what i've let myself in for but thank you very much for having me no it's it's lovely lovely to be on i thought it was about time i came on and chatted since you've you've um you've spoken to my uh my partners in crime on various things that i've been part of danny and evelyn etc so i thought it was about time I, i came and had a chat
0: Well, thank you. It's lovely for you to join us.
2: You can put your side of the story now. Indeed. (laughs)
0: So, tell us a little bit about you, Kieran.
2: Um, A little bit about me. So, I'm a parapsychologist. I'm employed at a university, and, and my day job is that I'm head of School of Human and Social Sciences. So, at Buckinghamshire New University, there are five schools that cover a number of different areas. My school, I cover psychology, criminology, social science, politics, sports, sports therapy, and education. So I'm responsible for all of the courses within that area. So I'm responsible for about 1,600 students and about 40, 40, 50 staff. That's my kind of day job, but within that, I'm also an academic, and I love to do research, and I love to write, and I love to still teach and my areas of specialty are investigative psychology, but primarily parapsychology, the scientific study of the paranormal.
0: Mm, So for people that are listening um, to this, can you sort of delve into parapsychology a little bit more, please? What exactly is, because there's different core areas, isn't there, of parapsychology?
2: Yeah, so when we think about parapsychology, like I said, the broad definition is scientific study of the paranormal. But The paranormal can mean so many different things and it's a term that's very debatable anyway. Um, But we are primarily interested in ESP, PK and survival. And ESP, extrasensory perception, covers a number of different areas which are telepathy, precognition and clairvoyance. And often people say to me, Oh yeah, I know about clairvoyance, is that you know I've got a medium who who operates clairvoyantly. Clairvoyance isn't just about mediumship. Clairvoyance is actually seeing without your eyes. That's what it means. So if you put a drawing in an envelope and ask me to work out what it was, I might use clairvoyance to kind of interact with the drawing, as it were, and kind of use that ability. The reason why we call it ESP is because if I'm correct about the drawing in that envelope. Is it because of clairvoyance, or is it because I got the drawing from your mind, which would be telepathy, or is it because when you said, what is that drawing in the envelope, I suddenly remembered a dream I had two or three nights ago, and therefore it's an example of precognition. So I dreamt about that drawing. That's why we call it ESP, because sometimes difficult to dis- distinguish. The other yeah. thing we look at is PK, which is psychokinesis, moving things with your mind. Uri Geller and spoon bending is a prime example, but also even people standing around a table in a, in a haunted house and willing the spirit to move, that could be an example of group PK. But we also talk about PK in the context of poltergeist as well. And the last area is survival, which is survival after death, ghosts and hauntings. So to go back to the simple definition, the scientific study of the paranormal, specifically ESP, PK and survival.
1: Okay. Break it down to those terms. It does make it look quite Mm -hmm. simple, but there is it's a massive field, isn't there? So much in it. Huge.
2: Huge. And 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 I run an interesting line. You can tell with some of the I've got, you know, my books and Ghostbusters there. I I run an interesting line because as a parapsychologist, you're a scientist and you do scientific work and you do lab work. But by the same token, I'm fascinated by the paranormal. I grew up Mm. reading Unexplained magazine and watching Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World and Ghostbusters. That That got me into all of it.
0: Mm.
2: So I love it. I love all of the paranormal. So I don't just, you know, have a blinkered, I'm only going to look at this stuff. I'm equally fascinated by UFOs and alien abduction, but also um, Yeti and Saskatchewan and, and you name it. Any area of the paranormal, I just find fascinating.
1: So what sort of got you into the world of sort of the paranormal and your, <laughs> uh, and your parapsychology? So is there some sort of moment that
2: made you jump in or did you just sort of gradually get into it? Well, I've always been fascinated by ghost stories. Even as a very young age, my parents were, were genuinely worried about my reading material. Even as <laughs> like a seven-year, eight-year-old. I went through I, that as well. <laughs> oh, dear. I was reading Stephen King, James Herbert... Wow. M.R. Um, James, H.P. Lovecraft, um, and then a little bit later on Clive Barker. So I was reading these kind of you know horror and ghost novelists, and my parents were genuinely right. So I guess there was always an interest there from a very very early age. And when people ask me well, what made you become a parapsychologist, I always say, well you know a good answer would be oh it's the encyclopedia britannica that my parents brought me you know at a young age and i saw the parapsychology definition i thought oh what's that and i got involved in that or as a teenager reading the works of carl jung and and synchronicity and how that overlaps with aspects of parapsychology i could say it's all of that but you know what that wouldn't be true the turning point like you said Ju- juliet was actually the film ghostbusters it was It was simple as that. Do you know? It was was for me. Such a classic. Oh,
0: gosh. I was 13
2: years old when that came out, and I said, That's who I want to be. I want to be Peter Venkman. I want to have my proton pack. I want to have my car. And that really planted a seed that I've never lost. Even, you know, I studied over in the States. I did a music degree, performance degree. I looked at Spanish literature. I, I worked for a restaurant. I've done nursing, mental health nursing. I've done so many different things. It's mm. always been that seed. I want to be a ghostbuster. So here I am living the dream, almost <laughs> 95% living the dream. I don't have a proton pack and I don't have that amazing car, It
0: will come. Which, it will come. Oh, you
2: can amazing. get them, I you know. It. <laughs> I've yes, looked at the kits real. and on, so I'd love yes, to make one no, of those. No, but They don't do anything, do they? They don't catch No, no they don't. No. no yes. So yes. <laughs> yes. 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 They're working Watch on it. Face. They're working on it. Watch this face. Absolutely. So,
0: Karen, you know, you, you talk a lot about your fascination with the paranormal and with ghosts and things like that. What exactly is your view on ghosts? Because it's a very broad term. What, what do you actually think or believe based on your experiences, because you have got a whole heap of experiences, what do you think they actually are?
2: Oh, that's a good question. The first part of that question was easier to answer because it was about my perspective on ghosts, which is very much in line with a lot of people's thinking, which is people are genuinely having ghostly experiences. Genuinely Mm. having it. You know, I speak to colleagues and a lot of colleagues go, oh, it's hallucination or fraud. That's it. And I say, well, that's arrogant to say that, because we've got thousands upon thousands of people across the world from loads of different backgrounds, educational backgrounds, occupation, age, gender, the types of experiences, but also going back historically. You can't just dismiss it with a wave of hand to go, no, it's all fraud and hallucination. So that's kind of where I'm coming from, is saying it's not that, or that could explain a small percentage, there's something going on that people are having these ghostly experiences. Yeah. And that is 100% the case, you know. And, and so that's the first part of your question, which is lovely and it's easy to answer that, I think, because that's mm-hmm. kind of a you know a large part of what we all think. The second part of it, which is, what are ghosts? I'm going to surprise you with my answer, which is, we don't know. Yeah. You know, a, and as a sceptic... As a You're always looking to me for explanations and on the various shows I've been part of. But I will offer those explanations because they are simply that, alternative explanations for the spirit hypothesis. Ghosts could be people coming over from the afterlife and communicating and interacting with some way. It could be an experience that is a misinterpretation of the presence of infrasound or electromagnetic fields or down to the psychology of suggestion, or uh, temporal lobe lability, which is you know a, a particular um, aspect of your brain that can be triggered and form almost internal epileptic-type fits that can trigger the brain and cause hallucinations. I mean, it's so, such a complex list of alternative explanations. Mm. But if anything, as scientists, we should still be saying exactly that We don't know, and I published a paper recently with a team of international researchers. We call ourselves the Global Ghost Gang, where we were saying, Okay, 20 years ago, there was a classic book that was um, published in parapsychology Um, hauntings and poltergeists. This one, so that was about 20 years ago.
0: Okay, that was
2: a classic book that was published, an academic book. Very dry, very academic, but it was a classic book because it was basically saying, James Haran was saying, look, there's lots of different perspectives on what ghosts are. Let's get all of these perspectives in one book. And in that book, it talked about stuff like infrasound, EMF, humidity, temperature, psychology of suggestion, all of this sort of stuff. But a a big part of it was the environment because the sceptics were always talking about environmental explanations. We reviewed 20 years later... So this year, or last year, it was published. And so what's happened in the last 20 years? Has science actually told us it is this or it is this? And and your listeners can access my um, article because the conclusion is science doesn't know the answer. Genuinely, in 20 years, from that point, where it was really interesting research, and we're going, well, these are all possible alternative explanations, we're really only in a position to say they're via you know, they're... they're alternative explanations, but the scientific work on this stuff has just not been done. There's a very, very small number of people, and I include yeah. myself in that, that are actually doing scientific research on whether infrasound explains hauntings or whether electromagnetic fields explains it. It's just it's just not there. So it's a it's a it, I apologise no. it's a non committal answer, but you can no, understand. No, it well. no, that's it's, it's a really good answer.
1: Because it's the sort of thing you would think yourselves and we yeah. say exactly the same. Some of it you can explain because there's a perfectly valid reason Absolutely. for it and you can see it, you can say, It's this, it's that, it's gonna be this but there's other things that you experience and you just say to yourself, What the hell was that?
0: Yeah. And I mean even, you can't even me, find sort of, an answer. Yeah, even me being a psychic you know i'm i'm looking for answers i want to know how it works why it works i'm i'm very interested in in uh, quantum theory and and the science behind perhaps possible reasons behind how i do what i do and, and why and where the information comes from and how i get it and i i would like and i'm looking for scientific answers as well you know, and I'm always looking. The first thing Nigel and I do when we do investigations is we look at the environment. Could it be this? Could it be that? We try and debunk everything that we do during an you've investigation. Got to, you've
1: got to put it down. You need to say, yeah. okay, this is the experience we had, but then again, it could be this, 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 and this. In a case of um, actually going out investigating, would you Mm. suggest we need a sort of set of guidelines that we can sort of stick to as to recording information? Mm. Because so many people go out and do these things, but there's no sort of set thing as to what you should be doing.
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think uh, one of the difficulties is that there are so many different ways of approaching ghost investigations. You know, I'll have a particular approach, you'll have a particular approach, there will be um, other groups out there that will have their own pro- approach. It's, it's arrogant of me to say there is only one approach to investigating yeah. ghosts when we don't fully know yeah. what ghosts are. So that's the first thing. And because of that, it almost makes it very difficult to then go, what are your set of guidelines? Because if you're taking a more spiritualist type approach, then there will be guidelines for that in terms of, are you going to use Ouija boards, seances? Are you going to use a calling out method? there would be guidelines for that. Are you doing a scientific approach, which is you've got environmental monitoring equipment, there's guidelines for that. So there are lots of different potential guidelines. Yeah. And that's why you might look out there and go, well, there is really isn't much out there in terms of guidelines. The only thing I would say is the Society for Psychical Research commissioned Steve Parsons, one of their own, to write exactly that, a set of guidelines. And and I would encourage anybody out there that's interested in ghost investigations to pick up those guidelines, and to read review them, and to apply those guidelines to their own investigation, if it fits with their worldview and their philosophy. Mm-hmm. If you're going out there and you're taking Juliet, for example, or you're taking kind of the psychic perspective. You're not going yeah. to find within Steve's guidelines information about how would you approach that and I think there's there's call really for a separate set of guidelines I think for that but if you're thinking about the equipment side of things and the psychology there's no better set of guidelines than than what he has put forward there's also a set of guidelines that I've put together but that's not in terms of how you investigate that is in terms of the ethical side of investigating the ethics for you as investigators we did yeah Eth- I think that's quite important, you, but it is, it is, and and I've been on a crusade about it for years now, and you know I'm grateful to Paul Stevenson and the team at Haunted Magazine for for allowing me the opportunity to to write and talk about it within their magazine, to 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 preach to the masses because I'm stuck in my ivory academic tower here, and people don't necessarily hear all of my work, but when it comes to ethics, paraethics, yeah huge topic it's
0: crucial isn't
2: it yeah it really is i mean by not abiding by
1: some kind of guidelines you can really put the whole thing into jeopardy and there's so much rubbish in the field as well he's trying to sort of go through it and and siphon out the sort of the genuine stuff the stuff that you enjoy the people that are trying really hard like you said to sort of try and move it forwards a little bit or the Mm. ones that are just out for jump scares and a bit of entertainment and it's so frustrating i
0: mean i i really enjoyed uh Danny Robin's Uncanny series because I think that opened up the paranormal field quite significantly because it was bringing two aspects together you're getting people's stories and then obviously you're getting people looking at it and and giving their views on what it could be what it what it might be and I thought that's brilliant because it's bringing the paranormal community together and I, I really did enjoy that I thought it was really really good
1: yeah, and it's interesting to see on Twitter that um, there is a community that's grown around it, and they don't fight. I see so much fighting in this field. And Absolutely, you're part and part yeah. of this. So, what do you actually think of all that? Do you think
2: it's a good thing what Danny's done? No, I think he's rubbish. I don't think <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's terrible, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, awful! Danny, Danny, and I go. Danny and I go way back. Way back, um, you know, some of some of the Uncanny listeners and bassy Podcast listeners have been um, taken to his Haunted podcast that he did, which was similar to Uncanny. And he always talks yes. about, you know, him wanting to do more with Haunted, and that ultimately became Uncanny. But I knew Danny years before the Haunted podcast. We did a show for BBC Three um, called. The bullshit detective basically really? and, and Danny was he was exactly <laughs> I, I need to check oh, this you out you should see it it's on it's you on YouTube it. um and Danny got in touch with me um because he was doing an episode around mediumship and yeah. one of my areas of e- expertise was with my PhD was focusing on mediumship and kind of understanding two things number one the alternative explanations and how do you test mediums, but number two, kind of therapeutic benefit of of interacting with a medium and that sort of thing. But yeah, we we worked on that show, which was amazing. Fast forward, I guess, about three, four, even five years, and then you get Haunted podcast. So we'd stayed in touch, did Haunted podcast. Um, Fast forward a couple of years, Danny ended up coming to the university and saying, oh, it'd be good to chat to you, you know, as a parapsychologist, I've got this idea basically that, you know, something some sort of play, something I'm writing this story around what happens when you've got somebody that has an experience and they're facing others yeah. that that are sceptical about it. And I say, Well it's interesting you say that because that's kind of the marriage that I'm in at the moment. My wife is a really strong believer. She has experiences, and I have kind of the opposite perspective to that, to the extent where within our home at the time, we were hearing noises, and she was saying, there's something paranormal here, and there's something paranormal upstairs. And I was going, well, it could be the pigeons, it could be this, it could be... And having that sort of argument about it, lo and behold... Fast forward a few years, you get Bassie Poltergeist, Uncanny, and then you get 222, two, two, A Ghost Story. And if you yes. look at the programme, there's a particular, a nice little private thanks from Danny to myself for all of those years ago having that conversation. And it's very bizarre watching the stage show and kind of seeing some of that play out on stage in terms of, you know, uh, wow. Wow, so you've wow, our you've watched it
0: grow from the very beginning.
2: <laughs> watched Aww. it grow, but the whole Uncanny thing... I mean, uh, it happened with Haunted and Danny has a particular way about him, which is that enthusiasm that we all have. But he's able to capture it in a way. And I think that's why it works with Uncanny, is he has an enthusiasm for wanting to hear people's ghost stories in a non-judgmental way. I just want to hear your story. Then Mm -hmm. Then there'll be others that will offer their alternative explanations like you say the alternative perspectives but because of his steering of it and because of his enthusiasm about hearing the stories, you then get absolutely that healthy debate that happens. you know and I don't want to blow our own trumpet but he's also been very particular about who he's chosen. So, you know, there are individuals within the field or within the world that he could have chosen that could result in a very different product where it could have been potentially unhealthy. It could have been, you know, a a lot more aggressive argument. But you've got individuals like Evelyn, you've got Deborah Hyde, you've got Peter Laws, you've got myself, who we're not afraid to hold our hands up and go, I can't explain that. But we're also Mm -hmm. very much saying, actually, no, I have a theory about this, and I'm willing to put it forward, but I'm also willing to hear your theory as well. And when you've got that captured by Danny, to then have a community build up around it, reflecting that same sort of healthy debate, I think is absolutely fantastic. I think he's done an amazing job with it. It's just, yeah, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been, been, I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, it's been really good for us, hasn't it, because Mm -hmm. it's enabled us to sort of jump onto the back of us jumping the bandwagon as a horrible thing to say I suppose no, but because we were so it interested is... in, in what he was doing and I yeah. love the approach that he had and I thought it's very similar to what we were trying to do with what we're doing you know sort of throw it open to an audience and say this is what's going on this is what we think what do you think Yeah, you know yeah. and I think it's so important to do that and it's healthy debate there's nothing wrong with healthy debate You've got this reputation for being like this hardcore skeptic, but you're not really, are you? you really no, sort of,
0: you've opened my eyes today. Exactly,
1: you're more <laughs> open-minded about it, which I think is really so. As far yeah. as skepticism goes, I think people get the wrong idea about it. They seem to think. I mean, I listened to the the Hey on Why show, and you're the oh, pantomime it. villain. <laughs> they were booing you when they said your name. It was like, <laughs> <it> was like <laughs> oh <Boo> no, <laughs> yeah. So you've come Absolutely. out some kind of pantomime villain, but it's completely the opposite because you're actually quite open-minded about it.
2: Well, yeah, it's an interesting perspective because, in a way, there's a role that I play within the media, so I did it on Most Haunted as well. And like you say, it's the pantomime villain, the party pooper, um, and Most Haunted, they used to call it, uh, the kettle moment, which is, oh, Kieran's on again, he's just going to say, yeah, it's interesting, but it's all bollocks. Let's go and switch the kettle (laughs) on. You know, (laughs) and I was genuinely the kettle moment. So I don't mind playing that role. But it is very much a role. And actually, we in the media, we talk about sceptic with a capital S, which is really cynic. It's, I don't want to hear any of this paranormal stuff. Here's yeah. the natural, here's the scientific perspective. And, and I don't mind playing that role and offering those explanations and kind of being pigeonholed into that. Because in in a way, that voice and that alternative explanation gets then out into the media and it gets out to ghost hunters and everything. So they're hearing that alternative perspective. But actually, the word sceptical and sceptic means open-minded but questioning. And if anything, we're all that. You know, yeah. we're yeah. all sceptical. And yourselves, I know, in terms of hearing... Um, about your investigations, you're sceptical too. You're open-minded but questioning. And I think that's a really good place to be. The reason why there's the hardcore tag to it, me being a hardcore sceptic, is because I'm (laughs) open-minded but questioning, but hardcore, because I will always be thinking about the natural explanations, always Mm. be thinking about it. it. And it comes from my training. It comes from being involved in this for 35 plus years. Yeah. And knowing about the psychology and knowing about the environment. And that's where the hardcore side of things come. And I guess the hardcore side of thing is also the lovely work that we we've done with Danny with Battersea and also with Uncanny, the hardcore side of things comes from, you know what? I am open minded and I am questioning, but it's gonna take a lot to sway me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the hardcore stance is that, you know, I'm I'm not gonna be easily swayed. I'm actually going to stick to my standpoint, and then it's up to you to convince me.
0: Yeah. In a healthy way. That's (laughs) fabulous, because, I mean, we need, I think, particularly in the paranormal field, we need that grounding, you know. And it's very, I mean, I think if I didn't have, you know, whatever the abilities I have, I do have, if I didn't have them, I would probably be very similar to you and question everything. I question myself you know when we do an investigation yeah because you
1: just think where did that come from why did I get that what is this you know and it is good to do that even sort
0: of things um you know subliminal subliminal messages I got the wrong teeth in today but even things like that that you don't even realize you might have picked up can influence everything that you do um in an investigation and, and things like that things you wouldn't perhaps you know you might even see I mean I'm very careful when we do investigations to avoid any form of Information or, or media or anything like that, because I like to go in with a completely clean slate and and see. Tried to
1: you, not to tell you where we're going until yeah. Actually to turn up in the car and say we're going
2: on the Yeah, to challenge myself yeah.
0: and just to see because I'm I'm probably one of my my most biggest you know I'm trying to think of the word person that would criticise hypocrites crit, crit, critic. critic you're, you're, you're your own you. worst
1: critic aren't you?
0: I'm my yeah. own worst critic because I'm like well how do I do this? how does it happen where does it come from because it's got there's got to be a scientific reason it, it's it's not going to come from somewhere you, you know no, no. there's got to be a reason for it but yeah we're, we're i think we're all looking for the same thing aren't we at the end of the day and
2: i think and i think i think you're absolutely right and i think it's a really healthy place to be you know i i people often ask me you know how do you have fun explaining away people's experiences and I go, Well I'm not really explaining them away. Yeah. But actually actually by educating people about the alternative explanations and the alternative perspective. If somebody comes to me and said, Oh look, you know, I've had this amazing experience, like Uncanny. I've had this amazing experience, what do you think's going on? If I then go through the alternative explanation and go, Well, actually this is showing me key characteristics that lead me to think maybe what we're dealing with is some sort of um, electrostatic effect. It's affecting your skin in such a way that it gives the impression that you're being touched. And here's the yeah. science behind it, and here's what's happened. If then that person goes is genuinely listening and is asking questions, but then they go away and they say, you know what, I heard that explanation, and it's really interesting, but you know what? I don't buy, I still think that I was touched by a discarnate entity that wanted to make contact. I'd have a lot more respect for that person making that sort of decision than, Kieran, I had this experience where I felt like I was being touched by a spirit. What do you think? And I start talking and I say, well, it could be, and they go, oh, you're going science again. I don't want to hear it. And they walk away. That's cynicism. That's, that's dogmatism. That's closing your yeah, mind absolutely. and your eyes to any alternative yeah. explanation. If you hear it and you still go, actually, no, I don't think it does apply. I was there. You weren't. They go, that's fine. I have respect for that. I wasn't there. All I'm doing is offering the alternative. But if you still feel it was a genuine experience, I'm not going to take that away from you. It's good yeah I like that
1: really so experiences is. here we go let's mm. throw it out oh, this is have you one. got one or two or maybe three that you've had yourself that you cannot actually rationally explain that you have to put in in a box that I don't
2: know that's a really good question I would say over the years and like I said we're, we're now getting on for well yeah 35 years or more gosh wow. I have probably had over 100, maybe 150 experiences that other people would say that's paranormal. Right. But yeah. I haven't because I know the alternative explanations. However, yeah. you asked Nigel if there's a specific percentage. And I would say, yes, there's a small, a really small number. And I call them my box. You said, I don't know box. My box is the head scratching box. It's a head scratching yeah. moment.
1: Yeah,
2: um, And it's not for want of saying it could be you know, it's something paranormal. I think it could they could be something paranormal. One of them is SS Great Britain in Bristol, huge ship that's moored there. And yeah. I was on an investigation, I walked into the lower class accommodation and I wish there was a better, more technical word for it. I felt spooked.
1: Really? Wow.
2: I just felt spooked. And and this is this is only about fifteen years ago. So by this point I'd been on hundreds and hundreds of investigations I am a sceptic, so I can't explain it through psychology. Why mm. would I feel scared not, ge- not really a scary place, to be honest. Yeah. My wife thinks I got spooked because it was the lower class accommodation, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but I just felt spooked. And if anything, it gives me empathy for people that talk about that sort of experience. Mm. It's like a spook, like something's not right. I don't feel right here. Uh-huh. So I had that experience. Um, also investigating a Second World War Nazi bunker um, on Guernsey. And being in that particular location, there's two things that happened. I investigated it, first of all, as a recce with my wife, and it was just the two of us, and we got the keys and locked ourselves in. And she sat in kind of an outside area within the surrounding locked fence whilst I went deep into the bunker myself dark bunker, you know, once you get into those back tunnels there's just no light at all and was just walking around with a torch and I heard her cry out for my neck, you know, cry out for me, Kieran, yeah. Kieran and getting increasingly, you know, distressed and I ran back to where she was and and that would have taken easily five minutes or so. The size of these things are huge and in the dark. So it took me about five minutes to come back and she was white as a sheet. She had sat there and heard footsteps come out of the bunker, approach her from round the corner. And she went, oh, Kieran, you're right. And then the footsteps stopped and shuffled. And she said, Kieran. And then she went round the corner. And as she was going round the corner, she felt the footstep or heard the footsteps move away, looked round, and there was nobody there, called me. It took me five minutes to get back to where she was. She was just completely freaked out. So that was her experience... But being in a location that had reported exactly that sort of phenomena and her having it and seeing her white as a sheet and making that decision, I'm not going to go in. And she didn't go in. She was that that scared by it. And then we caught some interesting footage a little bit later when I went back with an investigative group. Again, head-scratching moments. Simply that, head-scratching moments. But they're also called... There's a famous um, cynic that talks about nuggets and gold nuggets. These feel like those gold nuggets, and we all have them. Mm-hmm. Some of them have them more regularly than others. These gold nuggets that keep you in the game. Because yeah. sometimes, even though I'm a parapsychologist, I'm also a ghost hunter. We've got to admit, sometimes ghost hunting, it can be like watching paint dry. You oh, know, yeah. no- nothing can happen for the longest time. Or you come out oh, and yes. go, that place <laughs> has a great reputation. But you know what? Oh, it didn't deliver, did it? It didn't have, you know, what I expected, and yet you'll have those nugget moments you'll go, oh, this is. Ex- I hope that happens again, or it kind of keeps you interested. And, I, and so those are genuine head scratching moments that are also gold nuggets that kind of keep me keep me guessing. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah
0: okay. Absolutely. So you're well known for the TV series Most Haunted. I mean, we've all seen you. We all watched you on there. You were fab, by the way. Thank you. So I there was um the issue with um Derek wasn't there Derek Akora that everybody um knows about would you like to talk us through that one Yes
2: yeah, so everybody knows that it's out in the public domain so I'm, I'm yes. you know not going against anything like that but yeah I was involved in most haunted and people know that I'm skeptical about mediumship anyway within a, within a haunting context yeah. and I think there's a role for it but I think being involved in a show where you've got an individual that is quite um, giving a lot of very accurate information, I was kind of suspicious You'd about well, what, what potentially is going on here. And there are a few incidents earlier on that made me question that. Uh, for example, we were at Castle Leslie and he came up with incredibly accurate information about a four poster bed. And he touched the bed and, oh, this stream of information about the date of the bed and where it's from and who slept in it and all of that. And I said, you know, where did you get this information from? Did it come from the bed? Did it come as you walked into the environment? Are you getting a message from somebody associated with the bed? Is it possible you had that information beforehand, you know, and it's coming out and you'd forgotten it, but it's coming out? You know, kind yeah. of really wanting to know, but also potentially giving it out. All of the information was 100% accurate, but it was the wrong bed. It was a bed that was in Uh. a completely different part of the castle. And that's why I was like, well, OK, what's going on here? So in the incident with um, Dan in Bodmin Jail, it was um, putting an anagram, Creed Kafer, on um, a piece of paper and letting it slip to a member of the crew and just going, OK, well, this potentially is going to make its way back to the medium. And it may come out in passing in a seance or not be mentioned at all. You know, if there's any ethics to what we're seeing here, then it won't potentially be mentioned. Mm. But actually, he got possessed by Creed Kafer, um, which is an anagram of Derek Faker, which is quite unfortunate. And there were a few oh, other incidents. Oh, a shame, isn't it? But, but you know, I have... I have an open-minded perspective. And whilst that seems quite evil scientist of me and also kind of very cynical, I've been approached by people that have said, oh, well, you know, I went to see him in Liverpool, and I got this reading, and he came up with this information, and he was mm-hmm. highly accurate, and there's no way he could have. There's nothing. I can't take anything away from people's experiences no, 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 where they've no, had no, accurate not. experiences, or they've been on a ghost hunt with him, and he came up with accurate information what we might have been seeing and what we can say is on those particular incidents he was not in contact with spirit 100% and if anything if it raises doubt and makes people question i think that's a good thing if people then still want to believe because they have their own personal it's so that's absolutely fine too but I mean, you know could it
0: could it be the, the fact
2: pr- the pressure to perform the
0: pressure to perform and could it be because i think you know, personally speaking and doing what I do, I think the pressure of being put with the cameras in your face and and have being in that place where you have to contact spirit, especially on television, because you've got to keep the ratings up. Everybody wants to watch a bang and a knock and they, they want to see things regularly happening in locations, which we all know don't, you know, in, in a proper... You know, paranormal investigation. You're lucky if you get something. If you get to be one honest. thing, if anything
1: at all. And yeah. I'm
0: wondering if it was just the pressure and and the pressure to deliver, because, you know, um, I have a friend who trained with him in the very early days, who said he he was actually very very good and very very mm. accurate, and it just makes me sometimes wonder where you know that pressure just got to him and he, and he cracked and he felt the there need might to be, deliver you know, in whatever yeah. method.
2: I think it's a really good point, Juliette, that the pressure to perform when you're on camera is there and it's constantly yeah. there and it's not just the pressure to perform the camera and the crew behind the camera
0: Absolutely. the director
2: who are looking at you because that's a pressure it's also when that camera's in your face it's all of the people behind that camera sitting at home watching the television who are relying on you to say something and and you know, in the history of Most haunted, there have been maybe one or two incidents where other mediums who've been brought on have actually countered that pressure to perform walked into a place and go i don't feel anything here yeah, yeah. A- and then what you get is that r- sudden realization like you're absolutely right sudden realization that you know what that is potentially the end of that episode and that investigation <sighs> potentially yes. that's the end you know from then on it's well what do we do the medium feels nothing Mm-hmm. So so what do we do as an investigation? So I think you're yeah, absolutely right. And I knew Derek, or of Derek, and had spoken to him years and years and years before most time too. back in the mid-'90s mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. doing some, some research on psychic detection in Liverpool this idea that psychics can help with criminal investigations. And I contacted him. You know, there were quite a few psychics I contacted at the time. I contacted him. He was based in Victoria Street in Liverpool at the time and doing private readings for people. And exactly that. There were individuals that had had private readings. And it was on the basis of those testimonials, of very positive testimonials, that I ended up contacting him. He He didn't get involved in the research as it was. But yeah, I think potentially you're seeing that in terms of uh, a pressure and if anything me doing what i did and being very vocal about it is is perhaps the is is people would argue is the wrong thing to do because it's not in the mm-hmm. spirit of television where it's about entertainment but like i said quite publicly at the time it's more about raising questions because if you've yes. got an individual who's doing this and then an individual as with Potentially other individuals on lots of ghost shows that we see now, and very successful ones in America. You've got individuals who then go on to have theatre tours, and you know to make an inordinate amount of money from theatre tours and from you know um, uh, private work and 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 working with clients. You need to have a question there, and you need people to question: Is this actually real? Am I actually getting this? If people then still want to get those readings or visit the theatre show then that's fine but i'm, I'm happier that people are questioning the ability than not
0: i, I completely agree with yeah, you yeah no, think, yeah no i think yeah when you
1: when you look at it in the, the cold light of day like that it makes an awful lot of sense so thanks for sharing that one with us we weren't sure whether we'd ask you or not but we thought we would so no, this is fun.
0: nigel's arena because nigel wants to talk to you about kits. i love kit but Nigel is slightly more, well, on good days, more techy than me.
1: Yes, well, it depends what I'm messing about with, doesn't it, really? Um, we're going to sort of think about recording stuff and taking things on investigations with us. Um, we've all got a little bag full of kit. We've got our EMF we meters. Do. We've got our movement detectors. gate 2s We've got yeah. night vision cams. What one thing, if you were to say to someone, would you think would be an excellent piece of kit to add to your arsenal if, you would think along those lines. Oh,
2: you're awful with that question, to say one piece of kit. That's really bad. You can't ask You can me, have well, a couple. OK, have a couple. Um, what one piece of kit? I was asked this actually recently by a student of mine who said, I'm going to go out ghost hunting for the first time. How can I start building my kit? So what should I start with? Okay. And aside from ways of recording your experience, notepad an and pen, a camera... Smartphone, you need that because you need a way of recording your... Response. So aside from that side of things, which is, should be standard for anybody, I was saying some, some way of measuring temperature, really, to be honest. Yeah. And, and because temperature is the most reliable experience or a factor in an experience going back thousands and thousands of years. We look at all of the ghost stories and there's always this element of temperature. Either there's a cold spot, or I feel like my temperature has gone down, or there's a weird temperature on the back, or my hairs have gone up on the back of my neck because I feel a temperature there. So having some way of measuring temperature would be your ideal piece of kit, and you could do that in a number of different ways. You can either be looking at surface temperature, which means you're using a laser thermometer, kind of the things that looks like you know, a, a gun basically. Wherever the laser points, that's measuring the temperature. Useful for measuring surfaces, if people are reporting their hands have suddenly gone cold, point the laser at the hand, you can then get that surface temperature. So that's one way of measuring it. The other one is kind of a... we get hygrometers or those sorts of things. Basically, you want a temperature sensor that can pick up on the surrounding temperature. If somebody reports a cold spot, and I love it when people do that, when they report a cold spot, you want to be able to say, yes, there's genuinely a cold spot there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you
2: need some way of measuring that cold spot because if people are saying it, is it because of the adrenaline rush? Is it because of some other reason or is there genuinely a cold spot? So some way of measuring that. And you can do that. It's a very cheap. Um, temperature sensors you can have with kind of a, a an addition to it. You can buy them in, in DIY stores rather than ghost hunting stores. The fancier version of that, which comes back to your question Nigel, when you say, in a Santa Claus type moment, what, <laughs> one piece of kit would you say? For me, is the thermal imager. It's 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 we want it? one of those. It almost it feels like a luxury item. And it Mm. is because there's other ways of measuring temperature. But as a little, you know, a a boy saying to Santa Claus, can you please get me this piece of ghost hunting kit? I would say a thermal imager because it allows two things. Temperature, you're measuring relative temperature very easily. You can also see in the dark with it as well. So it's a very, very useful kit. And it's coming down in price back in the most haunted days before you were talking in the thousands. Now those kind of clear. thermal images down in the hundreds and you've got the attachments you can have to smartphones which are now the latest i checked online last week down to about 250 pounds so it's coming That's down right. and down yeah and down i'm keeping
0: price. an eye
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to invest
1: <laughs> you're speaking yeah. about evidence do you think it's really important to make a really really record all your evidence the details as much detail as you can when you're out investigating or when you haven't actually had an experience. We encourage people, if people say to us, I've got something going on in my house, we say, keep something called a ghost diary, mm. where you're writing down the time, the date, the experience that you had, anything that went with it, like it was a sound, it sounded like so-and-so, so-and-so. Because to me, it's really important that we can present some evidence to say this is what's happening. Yes, a-
2: absolutely. And, and again, two parts to that. The first part is that should you record the experience 100%, because... Even an hour later or the next morning, your perception of that experience will have changed yeah. the per- and your memory of it will have changed. The person that you tell that to, the first person you tell that to, even if they say nothing, will have an influence on how you remember that experience. If somebody sits in front of me and they tell me about their experience, my wife always has a go at me saying, oh, you've got your sceptical face on. I try and be open-minded and I try and genuinely listen and I learn active listening, motivational interviewing, all of that. But I do have this somewhat sceptical face. If somebody's telling me that experience, how they tell me that and after they've told it, how they tell the next person is having an effect on their memory of that experience. So it's vital that you have some way of recording it, even if it is a paper and pen, a notepad and pen right there recording. But we've got smartphones now. Just pick up one of those phones and just record into it. Literally say, I've just had this weird feeling. I was absolutely fine until a minute ago. And then suddenly, I just felt weird, like something had just walked in and the atmosphere suddenly changed. And the time is blah, 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 blah. And the day is just a way of recording it 100%. That's the first part. So I I agree with you, Nigel. I'm now going to get on a little bit of a soapbox and a little bit of a lecturer, a teacher mode and Go say, can yeah. i ask you to do, can i ask you to do one slight nuance to your request to cl- to people that have the experience when you say to keep a ghost diary and that is to say to them to keep a diary yes not a yes. ghost diary and the reason why is we do it in parapsychology when we're dealing with private clients the first thing we'll say is you know, potentially going to start the investigation in a few weeks what i'd like you to do for a couple of weeks is keep a diary yeah. keep a diary And I'm as interested in those moments where nothing happens, as I am where something happens. And that phrase can be so valuable for two reasons. But the overarching ethical reason is, if you start to get people to focus on their ghostly experience, we've got no sense of how traumatic it is for them. And for a lot of people, some of these ghostly experiences can be quite traumatic, and I'm quite sympathetic to that. So for, for for individuals to start to realise, you know what, I say it's happening all the time, but it's not happening 24-7, it's almost therapeutic, it's almost slightly calming for them to realise, oh, it's only happening a couple of times a day. There are moments when nothing is happening. So that's my only kind of, as a lecturer, as a teacher, saying maybe change it ever so slightly and say... Yes, v- incredibly valuable that we have that experience recorded. But also, let's hear about those times where nothing happens.
1: What are yeah, you doing? It's also, I'm priming the By saying the word ghost, it puts the idea in the head that yes. it is a ghost. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. you don't want to prime them before and just say, keep a note of what's going on because it's important Perfect. that we keep track of the events. Perfect. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, we're running desperately running out of time. I know, we've only got you for an hour today. And we've I could talk to you all day. It's, it's so fascinating. interesting.
2: What's next for Kieran O'Keefe? Oh wow! What is next for me? A uh, loads of stuff that's happening next for me. Actually, this is your—you've got an exclusive, because today—what day is it? Is the seventh, isn't it? Today that we're recording this. It, it is the is. seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So my book comes out today.
0: Oh Ghosted. wow! Oh. Tell us about it. There you go.
2: So there you go. That's Ghosted. 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 Oh, so. we are so getting a copy of that. Yeah. yeah. I will send. I'll. I'll send you a copy of that.
0: Oh Absolutely. yes, please. Can we have one because each?
2: <laughs> don't know about one each. She'll on. give me a one each, I yeah. want one too. You you can, share your can you sign it, Kieran, for yeah, I'll us? I'll sign it, yes, don't no forget. Oh, thanks for thank But yeah, so
1: like it. Sorry, Kieran, about your book. We'd we, we yeah, jumped so
2: in there. It's it's so I mentioned earlier on about kind of these art. this article I wrote about the environmental explanation for hauntings and that sort of thing and and yeah. the stuff that was done twenty years ago. I do a lot of scientific stuff looking at ghosts and there's a lot of scientific stuff out there that I will be honest the way it's written and the way we publish it very much is the target is scientists they read it and they kind of they kind of get it but a lot of that stuff is very dry you know and it's not the most engaging or interesting interestingly written stuff Mm. um so ghosted is us, the global ghost gang, and you see a number of different names there, so Neil Dagnall James Harran who wrote the original book 20 years ago, what we've done is said all the research that we've conducted over the last five years, let's put it in a book in an accessible way What what is science saying about ghosts, what research has has been done, and what's lovely about it is you've got a team of researchers that also reflect the spectrum of belief so you've got some researchers that are writing this book that have a complete devout belief in ghostly experiences and have had some and will say, hand on heart, they are ghosts. Versus you've actually got some cynics in that list of names and then you've got some of us in the middle who i count myself in there so you've got this lovely spectrum of relief talking about all the research that we've done almost as a way of saying to ghost hunters you know what here's all the res- here's all the stuff about the environment the psychology here's what you need to know and it's all in one book and it's accessible for you and also it's a call out to ghost hunters to say we do not talk to you enough and you don't talk to us enough. Let's change that. And let's say, as ghost hunters, you're citizen scientists, basically. You're doing the scientific work mm. out in the field by doing observations and having these experiences. And we sh- should start sharing a lot more. So that's... I agree.
0: Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. really
2: good. That's fantastic. That's,
0: and it's, again, all yeah. about bringing people together, isn't it? It's fantastic. 100% I can't brilliant. wait. I can't wait yeah. for this book That's now. Right. I'm really brilliant. excited.
1: We will definitely be plugging that one for you, actually no problem so at
2: all. And
0: go. also you run courses, don't you, Karen? Are you still doing those?
2: Yes. Yes, so I still do courses. So I do um uh, I've got the School of Parapsychology, which is an online course, uh, online school where I do courses on poltergeist, on parapsychology, but also demonology and exorcisms and possession and that sort of thing. And uh, at some point coming up soon, there's going to be an article coming out about demonic possession. I've been working with a neurologist over in America about um, a particular paper and I've got a chapter in a book about kind of demonic possession and stuff that I've been researching for over 30 years. So that's exciting and potentially potentially some more stuff podcast stuff with Danny.
0: Oh Ooh, well, can see, you tell us any more about that? I cannot say hush anymore. Hush?
2: But I cannot say more, But let's just say, as a teaser, um, Battersea Poltergeist was such an amazing experience and such an amazing investigation, and we we all said it shouldn't just stop there. No, you know. Definitely and, not. and 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 I think Battersea Poltergeist we've done. But actually, we shouldn't just stop there in terms of what we did with Battersea Poltergeist. So it's a, it's a case. It's watch this watch space. Watch this
0: space. Indeed, absolutely fantastic. Well, what can I say? It, Thank you it, so much. It's been wonderful to talk to you, and we've learned so much, haven't yeah. we?
1: we'd love to have you back on again at some stage. If you'd like to yeah. come and join us again, I do you would, want to put I up with us again?
2: To. I will throw myself <laughs> into this again. Absolutely. <laughs> Now I know what to expect. You know, uh, I've had a delightful conversation. <laughs> not that conversation. bad, really. No, it's been absolutely brilliant. I've been love, loving chatting with you and some really, really, really brilliant questions. So very, very grateful. And I would love to come back. Love to come back another time. Lovely. Thank you very and much. And we're looking
0: forward to this book too. Yes,
2: indeed. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. So there we go. Kieran O'Keefe. Oh, my God. I know. Oh my, amazing. What, what, honestly, what was that like? That was incredible. So good. So brilliant. Really, really I just, nice. I'm
0: blown away. Yeah. I mean, he, he's... What,
1: what, <laughs> what a person to talk to. Such an interesting man. Mm, and so mm. many amazing things as well.
0: There's just. It's oh, great. I, I just great. learnt so much. Yeah. I just learnt so much. And I cannot wait for this book to come out as well. And we're going to get on a it's exciting. Fans. It's so exciting. I think he's, uh, no, seriously though, no, I think he's he's so fabulous. And I love the way that he talks about um, sort of bringing people together as well, sort of people like me and skeptics. As yeah, well. I, I mean, it was, it was fabulous. really, really
1: good because you, you got a good insight into how he is. Because people sort of think, oh, Kieran O'Keefe, he's like you said, the party pooper and that sort of thing. But actually, he's not at all. He's so
0: open minded. Uh, exactly. As well.
1: Yeah, he's he actually looking at things and really being quite serious about it and thinking mm. like, yeah, there's the stories behind this. There is something there. It's a case of actually throwing all the evidence out and having a look at it, and then making the decision. But there are easy explanations, mm. you know. But there's mm. some things you just can't explain. Yes.
2: Yeah, the things
1: that we enjoy the most. So we'll continue. We will indeed being yeah. out there. So thank you very much for listening <laughs> to us. um Don't forget if you've enjoyed our podcast, go and have a look at the other ones that we've got on our channel, and please. Go and leave us a review on your podcast of choice because it really does mean a lot to us to sort of see what people think. It
0: really does.
1: So I suppose it's time to say oh, goodbye.
0: And we're going to put links up about here and stuff. Aren't we, we will do. We yeah, will we'll do
1: pop that. some links on for his parapsychology school, Are and um, if the book's out on release we'll put some links up for that as well, so you can grab a copy. Well, of Well, he said too. it's today, didn't he? He did indeed. He did, he did <gasps> say it's today. Exciting. So, very exciting. Mm. Okay. So, take care, everybody. Take care, Keep everybody. till next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.